Of course, this week we had the election results, and just a brief, brief statement about that. Um, regardless of who you voted for, whether or not your person won or lost, that we as people of God, that we would be committed to praying for our leaders. So whether it's the person you wanted or not, let's be committed to praying that God would give them godly counsel, that they would listen to godly counsel because they make decisions that impact lives. And so if we can be committed to do that, it's always necessary. We should always pray. Okay, so today is part two of our Glorify series. You know, Pastor Nicole ministered last week. She talked about the 10 lepers from Luke chapter 17. You know, the 10 that Jesus cleansed. He said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And they went, but only one returned to give thanks. And I think there's something key in all of this, this, this entire series and these stories that we're going to bring out they talk about and they point us back to, and as you've heard me beat this drum, um, and I like that analogy because I am a drummer, so I will use that. Uh, I'll continue to beat this drum, that it's important how we view Jesus. How we view Jesus. We talked about the gratitude that the one showed when he returned, right? And there's that question of how do you view Jesus because how we view Jesus will in fact determine our level of gratitude, our level of worship, our level of reverence. So we'll be talking about that today. And I like the theme of the music today because we're going to go there as well. How we view Jesus will determine the level of praise and honor we give him. So I titled this, You Better Recognize, because a lot of these stories are pointing to that fact. Do you recognize who Jesus is what he has done, what he is about. So our passage for today comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived in a sinful life, who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? 
I came into your house. You do not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Now, leading up to this point, you know, before we just get to this passage, in chapter 7 earlier, we've got a few other stories that do ask the question, who is this Jesus? We've got the centurion. If you remember him, his servant was sick, and he said, Jesus, come heal. But he sent servants ahead. Jesus, don't even come under my roof. I'm not worthy. Just speak the word, and my servant will be healed. We see this great display of faith that even Jesus was blown away. I don't even see this kind of faith in all Israel. We've got stories of the widow's son where there's a a, a funeral procession and Jesus stops the funeral and raises up this dead boy. Who is this that raises the dead? Questions about Jesus' identity. We also learn of John the Baptist. This is also where it records John the Baptist even questioning. He sends servants, are you the one that we seek or do we look for another? And Jesus simply responds, tell John, the blind see, deaf hear, dead are raised. In other words, his works speak for themselves. Who is this Jesus? And we come to this point, this topic, this powerful story. So let's look at a few details of the story. And you know me, I don't like to gloss over details. Of course, there's a Pharisee who invites Jesus to dinner. Jesus eats with all kinds of people. Sketchy characters, doesn't matter. Jesus eats with them. And we'll talk about why a little later. But he comes to have dinner with Jesus comes to his house and reclines at the table. So they didn't have tables like we sit, high chairs, you know, the tables were much lower to the ground. So people would actually recline, maybe leaning on the table. So you get a sense of the, uh, of the setting, right? That people are, are, they're more down here, right? They're kind of laying around, they're eating and, and so on. And then it says, there's a sinful woman. Only thing we know about her, she is a sinful woman. The text tells us this. She is sinful. She hears that Jesus was coming, that he was eating at this Pharisee's house. So she comes. Now I had to pause for a moment and ask, how does she get in? It's just a, no, it's just a brief detail. I'm not going to stay here too long, but I just wonder about this. You know, see, you can't skip past the details because I'm wondering. Jesus is an invited guest into this Pharisee's house, and this woman shows up, and I don't get the sense she was an invited guest. So I just kind of wonder, how did she get in? You know, now, 
I'm looking at this through my American lens. You know, we're individualistic. We like our space. You know, perhaps this is the kind of culture where, you know, hospitality is very different, you know. And I'll give you an example. I was talking with uh, some Nigerian friends of mine, and uh, one in particular, he was telling me back home in Nigeria, they would make extra food for dinner because you could have a perfect stranger just pop over. That was new to me. That was foreign. So I'm wondering, as I look at this text, maybe there's a cultural element to this to, of hospitality that maybe people, even if they weren't invited, could just show up. I don't know. I'm speculating. But it's possible because I am curious, how in the world did she get in here? <laughs> On top of that, she's making a scene. Okay. She's not on the guest list. And she's here behind Jesus, and she's making a scene. It says she stood behind him at his feet, and she's weeping. Now, I don't believe this was some cute little cry. Usually weeping. You know, that you ever had, when's the last time you had an ugly cry? You know what I mean? <laughs> that kind, like, she is weeping bitterly. She, she is just shedding tears profusely. And she's crying on Jesus' feet, and she kneels down and starts wiping his feet with her hair. We'll learn more about her, but we see this act of humility, what's happening with her brokenness and so on. We'll, we'll get to that. But she is making a scene. The Pharisee who invited Jesus, now he's got to deal with this. Now, he's the host. Who's this woman? She's making a scene. But Jesus isn't saying anything to her. So I got to say face because I can't, I can't challenge Jesus now, you know, because that'll make me look stupid. So, oh, man, what do I do? And it's just kind of like he says to himself, and, and now I don't know if Jesus heard him, if he said where he could, or if he's just under his breath, no one can hear him. He's like, you know, if Jesus was a prophet... If he really, I mean, if he was really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman's touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus, whether he hears him or just responds to his thought. You know, I had this thought too. Um, you know, I think I, would, I think I would be very scary to be in the presence of Jesus. Here's why. Because there are other instances too where Jesus is responding to people's thoughts, okay? Your, your thoughts matter. You know God hears that. Jesus is responding to people's quiet, secret thoughts. And he deals with it publicly. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go deeper into this. But Jesus turns to respond. He's kind of nonchalant with it. Hey, you know, Simon, you know, well, I have something to tell you. He's kind of cool about it. Teacher, tell me, we hear this story. We hear this story about two people that owned a, that owed a debt. But I want to talk about this Pharisee for a moment. 
We have a little understanding of the Pharisees, or a whole lot, you know. Jesus dealt with the Pharisees. They were kind of his biggest adversaries at times. And, and you know, they were the ones who held the law. They had a zeal for the law, you know. They're not completely all sideways and, and bad, but there were things that they missed. And, you know, in fact, there's a point where Jesus is, is telling the, the Pharisees, like, listen, you tithe perfectly, you do the rituals perfectly, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. What he's saying to them is you're doing good things, but there's a greater depth that you're missing. Justice, mercy, compassion. It wasn't that they didn't have some things right, but you're missing something, right? So we know a little bit about the Pharisees. Which brings up the topic of self-righteousness that I think Jesus begins to point out here. Self-righteousness. We see how he's viewing this woman. Yes, she is identified as a sinner. Now, I don't know if she had like a reputation, a certain kind of sinner, that people knew about who this woman was. And he's just like, Jesus, do you know this woman? She's got a reputation, I don't know. But the sense of self-righteousness that the Pharisees had, they prided themselves on doing the law, keeping the law, right? So I'm righteous because of that. And we know as Jesus comes, he's breaking some of that up. And I'll talk about this later. Do you you recognize your need for Jesus? So, So he's got his own standard of goodness. How I identify that I'm right with God because I do the right thing. I do this, I do this, I don't do that, I don't hang with them, I don't do what they do, so I'm good. Self-righteousness. It's a standard that we sometimes set, and that's how we measure our goodness. Tell your neighbor, you better recognize. Say it. Yeah, you better recognize. You're going to recognize who we're dealing with right now. Self-righteousness. Now, of course, the Pharisees are easy to condemn, right? We, we love pointing them out. But I want to talk about some other forms of self-righteousness that we kind of glaze over. <laughs> See, the Pharisees, they thought they had a claim on God because I'm so good, right? But there's some other ideas of self-righteousness because, let me, let me remind you, self-righteousness is establishing this other standard. Well, here's another form of self-righteousness. We lower God's holiness and we reduce sin and that becomes our standard of righteousness. We lower God's holiness. We say things like this. I don't think Jesus cares that much about what I do. I don't think it's that big of a deal to him. Setting up another standard. You know what? Oh, I love this one. He'll forgive me anyway. He's loving like that. Come on. Ever said that one? That's another standard of righteousness. What you're doing is you're, you're lowering Jesus, minimizing sin. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that problem. He's loving. He's gracious. So, difference doesn't make. 
And then there's one more. I'm sure there are other ones that I can point out. There's another one. It goes like this. I'm too far gone. No, God will never forgive me. I've done too much. Years ago, I had someone tell me that. I can't remember the context of the conversation, but I must have been talking about God or grace or something like that, and this is what a brother said to me. Nah, man, I've done too much. I'm too far gone. God can never forgive me. That's self-righteousness. You've established another standard by which you rise or you fall. Self-righteousness. See, what I'm going to do, and we'll get to the woman in a moment, but you see, I want to broaden the picture because, you know, it's easy to kind of look at the Pharisee and say, yeah, we know about those guys. Jesus talked about it in another space where you got the Pharisee and the, and the poor man, right? And, you know, the Pharisee gets before God and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like those sinners over there. I thank you that I'm not doing what those people do. But then the poor man beat his chest and said, have mercy on me, a sinner. I want you to see this, the Pharisee is a bit of a template. Self-righteousness. We set up our own Standard, because there are some of you who might be praying, God, I thank you I'm not a Pharisee. I thank you I'm not legalistic like those people. Yes, thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming for you too. Jesus gets in all of our mess. Self-righteousness. Creating your own standard. But Jesus is gracious, he's merciful, and he doesn't let him stay in that place. So Jesus does something loving. He rips him apart. He tears into him. I don't know if you've ever had Jesus tear into you, if you've ever had the word of God just kind of slice you up take you down. I'll share with you my personal story in a moment. But that's what Jesus proceeds to do, and he does it in front of everybody. <laughs> Get this, his quiet, private thoughts that he says under his breath, Jesus puts it on blast. Let me give you a story. And he talks about this debt thing, right? What's key about this, because I don't think Jesus is getting at, well, see, you've got less debt than the woman, that kind of thing, but rather, to what extent do you recognize your debt? You actually, actually, the Pharisee is in the same condition as the woman. But to what extent do you recognize your need? He rips into him beautifully. But I think it's a lesson to all of us. You better recognize who you're dealing with. Yeah. See, here's why this is important, and I want you to see this. And, and, and as you can see, this is a passage that's dealing with sin. Jesus has been raising the dead. He's been healing people, opening the eyes of the blind. In this case, he's dealing with sin. And what do we do with this big issue that we just sang about called sin? 
Why has he come? Because I want you to understand, this is why I brought out the different aspects of self-righteousness, because there's a need to recognize our need in light of who Jesus is. So who is Jesus? He is the holy judge. He's the compassionate savior. It is so vital that we understand both of these. He's the holy judge. He is the perfect, pure Lord who has come. And it is in his presence that we are all jacked up. It is in Jesus' presence that we are all messed up. And it is in his presence that we stand guilty. So you see why we can't minimize his holiness? We can't lower sin and act like it's not that big of a deal. Sin is a big deal. It's a big problem. And we are in trouble. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm glad you're here because you need to know this. We are in danger of the righteous justice and wrath of God. And if we don't understand that about Jesus, we're not going to get his compassion and his mercy. True story about me. Well, this is more of my journey. You see, and I'm sure some of you can relate. I grew up in the kind of context, very strong Christian home, Christian family, grew up around the things of God. So at a very young age, I knew I needed to know Christ. I needed a relationship with him. And I grew up in the context that was really big, truth, holiness, big on all of those things. And I will pause and say, all of those things are vitally important, and we cannot dumb those things down. We are called to holiness, righteousness, and all of those things. So, I had that right. But there's another side where Jesus started to get into my mess, where I was becoming like the Pharisee, where I was looking at those people. <laughs> and I could just write you off. You see, because I'm not like you, I'm not doing what you're doing, I'm not doing that, not doing this, not thinking that, I'm not hanging with those people, I'm not doing what they do, so I'm good. I had a love for Christ. But when Jesus started showing me his self-righteous son, Tim, you're full of pride. No, I wasn't doing that junk. I wasn't doing this stuff over here. No, but Tim, you have a need here that you haven't thought about. You think you're all that. You think you're better than people. And I was like this Pharisee, and like many of us, where we don't realize our need for Jesus. We don't realize our need for him because whether it's I'm good, I'm holy, I'm perfect, and I'm actually doing it in my own strength, or whether I lower his holy, and I don't think it's that big of a deal because I'm really not recognizing the depth of my sin and how much of a stench it is in God's nostrils. Or I'm thinking, 
I'm so far beyond God, not even God can help me. God began to blow up my world and in, in, in the faces of different people that I, I uh, met, close friends, uh, my wife who was my girlfriend at the time. There was just different voices that God brought in and didn't let me stay in that place. And it's weird to think back on it now, but at the time, I didn't want to hurt people. I didn't think I was beating anybody down. I thought I was okay until Jesus started ripping me apart. Back to the text where he says to this man, this woman you're talking about, he said, I'm a guest in your house. You didn't bring any water for my feet. They walked primarily where they went. So, you know, Jesus probably has some stinky feet. Dirty feet, messy feet. This is a part of just regular hospitality. You've neglected your responsibilities as a host because you're worried about her. But what Jesus is saying is you don't recognize me because she's honoring me and you're not. She's reverencing me and you're not. Remember I said from the outset how we view Jesus matters because that will determine our level of reverence our level of worship, if I think I don't need him, <laughs> the Pharisee didn't. Going back to my story, when Jesus started ripping me open, started showing me the areas of hypocrisy, yeah, you're not doing that, but you're doing that, and you're doing that. I was forced to reflect on the holy God, that no matter how good I think I am, I'm not quite good enough. No matter how righteous or moral I thought I was, Tim, you're not quite good enough. You need me. You need me. And let me tell you, that did something in me. Well, first of all, it cut me up and brought me low. But what I love about Jesus is he will rip you apart and he'll put you back together the right way. See, some of us are self-made. That's self-righteous. You're self-made. I built my standard. This is how I know I'm righteous. And Jesus broke that up in my life so powerfully, which brings me back to the woman. The woman recognizes something that this Pharisee does not. She recognizes her utter need in light of who Jesus is. See, remember, they're both in the same boat. They're both sinful. They both need mercy, as we sang about. But to what extent do we recognize our need for mercy? And when God started revealing that to me, that need, see, see, I had truth and righteousness and holiness, and those were good things. But when Jesus starts saying, Tim, we need to raise up compassion. 
and love and humility and mercy. And there are some of us in here, we love compassion and mercy, but you need to understand, I'm the holy judge. You, you know, no, you understand, I've got a standard. You need to understand that what Jesus did on that cross is not to be trifled with. It's not to be treated as cheap. You need to understand what God really thinks about sin and how big of a problem it is. We hold it together. And I was so convicted, and here's the thing about being self-righteous, because then you, you're very good at beating yourself down. And God can forgive me, but I don't think I can forgive myself. And when you get in that moment, there's something spiritual that I want you to do to yourself. It works for me. Yes. You put the hand here. That's what you need. You need a spiritual slap in the face. I'm too far gone. It's too late for... Here's the problem. Here's why that's problematic. You're not recognizing who Jesus is. See, that was pivotal for me to receive the mercy of God. When I started seeing how messed up I really was, I had to be reminded he's the loving Savior. You see, like this woman, she realizes that. As she approaches Jesus, she knows, I have no right to approach you. I'm too broken. I'm too sinful. I'm too messed up. And at the same time, she understands, you're the only one who can show me mercy. He's the holy, righteous judge before whom you stand guilty. You understand? Jesus talks about this in John chapter 5, starting at verse 22. He said, the Father has given all judgment to the Son. He's the holy judge. He also said he didn't come to condemn, but to save. You hold both together. Right? Because you only hold one, we got a distorted picture here. You're holy. I have no right to approach you. But here's the beauty of grace. You let me come. I don't have a right, but you let me come. And I come recognizing your majesty, your power, who you are. See, that's what I love about this woman, her heart, as she's just weeping. And here's the thing, she doesn't say anything. We don't know much about her except she's a sinner. She doesn't say any words, but it's her actions. You see, it's our actions, too, that show what we believe about Jesus. It's in that place of kneeling before him and saying, I throw myself at your mercy. You're hollowing his name. You're glorifying him. You're recognizing who you are in light of who he is. So when I recognize he's the merciful Savior, that means I'm in need of mercy. I stand guilty, y'all. You better recognize you're guilty. He welcomes me. And what does he do? He forgives this woman. 
which triggers a theological question that we've been asking from the beginning, who is this Jesus? The guests at the party asked that question. <laughs> Hold up. Who is this that forgives sins? See, if you understand the Jewish mind, prophets don't forgive sins. Moses, he was great, but he doesn't forgive sins. Priests don't forgive sins. Yeah, they, they handle the sacrifices and they go before God, but they don't forgive sins. Who is this to forgive sins? No, there's only, hold up. There's only one who forgives sins. Who is Jesus? God in flesh. The sovereign Lord. Do you recognize whose presence you're in right now? Do we recognize the sovereign Lord? I've got to ask this question because it's so key. Because has Jesus become, and I've asked this before, has Jesus become too common to you? Is he just, eh, he'll forgive me. No, I can do it. I'm good enough. Is Jesus too common for you? And we're doing a dangerous thing if we're telling people, eh, he's not, don't worry, you're good. He doesn't. When the Pharisees were questioned Jesus, why he's hanging with sinners, he responds to them. You see, it's the sick who need a doctor, not the well. Now, I don't think that Jesus was saying that the Pharisees were well and they didn't need it. No, they didn't recognize they were sick. In the eyes of Jesus, we all jacked up. We need help. But will we be like this woman that in his utter presence, I'm unworthy, I'm broken, I'm sinful, and I need forgiveness. That's my call to us this morning. Are you there today? Do you see Jesus? Do you recognize the sovereign Lord who has every right to condemn you and should condemn you? And yet the merciful Savior that says, I will extend mercy to those who come and recognize their brokenness. Because if you don't, he can't do anything for you. Do you recognize your need for Jesus? Even if you're following Jesus and you've been following Jesus for a while, like God did for me, do you recognize your need for him? That you don't stand because you're so moral, but you stand because of his mercy and his grace. And what that does for me every day, Lord, is because of your mercy. Sometimes the thoughts that come in my mind, the motives of my heart, the temptations that I experience, and yet... The private thoughts nobody knows about, you see it all. But you don't applaud it, you don't glaze over it, you say, come to me. Are we there this morning? Y'all can come on up, because I'm going to close with this.
Just take a moment and think about. When have you experienced the mercy of God? Remember the last time you experienced the forgiveness of Jesus. When was the last time you were just broken over your mess? And you knew that you had no right to approach, yet at the same time, you recognized the Savior welcoming you to be forgiven, to be restored. Meditate on that for a moment. just want to give you a moment to think about that. Lord, we come before you. Jesus, we recognize who you are. You're the holy Lord who has come. And we recognize that in light of your holiness that we are in trouble. We are in need of redemption. We are in need of salvation. We also recognize that you extend forgiveness for those who come to you with a broken and contrite spirit. Lord, you will not despise. So we throw ourselves at your mercy. And I pray for those, oh God, who need to receive your mercy. Who need to receive your forgiveness. Who need to be reminded that you are the compassionate Savior who came to restore. Lord, it's by your grace. And it's in this that we want to honor you and give you the glory and the praise. Thank you for being a merciful God. And thank you that in your grace you call us to a whole new way of living. You've called us to be righteous, but we recognize, Lord, it is only by your strength that we can live that out. It's not by our own. It's your strength that we can live into the call that you've given us. So I pray for your people, O oh God, and those who need healing, those who, who, who need to be reminded, Lord, that you would minister to those, the depths of their being. In Jesus' name, amen.